To 100 Centuries, the History Conversations podcast. I'm Connie B. Dowell. And I'm Stephen B. Dowell. And today we are talking about two um, graphic novels, although truly they're nonfiction. There's not a great term for uh, graphic nonfiction, doesn't seem to, to cover what we're trying to say here. Right. Um, but primarily visual media, um, each of them about uh, a pair of historical scientists. Exists. The one I'll be talking about today is The Thrilling Adventures of Loveless and Babbage, okay? um, subtitled The Mostly True Story of the First Computer. Uh, this was done by artist and, and writer Sidney Padua uh, from the United Kingdom. Uh, it's a fantastic novel, in this case about the scientist <clears throat> Ada Loveless, um, also known as a uh, full name, Ada Augusta King, Third Countess of Loveless, and Charles Babbage. Uh, who is an engineer and a uh, uh, math whiz. Uh, and it basically goes through the story of uh, Babbage's analytical engine, okay, which was an early version of a computer. He never got it fully running, um, but had he, uh, it would have been able to... Uh, uh, basically, would have been a pro essentially a programmable calculator. Uh, you would have been able to... Uh, calculate things with it, but also to to store into um, physical memory, essentially, um, programs for, for use. And uh, Lovelace's contribution was, of it was that she actually wrote programs for it prior to it being completed. Um, she wrote a, 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 a mathematical, well, she wrote notes to a mathematical article that Babbage had published um, and the appendix, and in the appendix, she added to it um, uh, her own program for the machine. And um, you know, the, the program itself, which was to calculate something called Bernoulli, uh, Bernoulli numbers, don't worry, you don't need to know what those are, um, <clears throat> essentially would have worked had the computer actually ever been built. Okay, and for those unfamiliar with the story, can you place us in time? Sure. Um, so, uh, Loveless and Babbage's uh, main body of work was during the 1830s and 1840s. Okay. Um, Loveless uh, died in the late 1840s from, um, well, it was probably bladder cancer. Um, and uh, Babbage uh, just never, Babbage lived uh, for a few decades after that, but his work on the uh, analytical engine was never able to be completed because he just simply couldn't get funding for it. Um, while he was kind of an eccentric genius and way ahead of his time, he was very difficult to work with. <laughs> and so um, he didn't do a very good job of, of getting uh, uh, investors on board to, uh, to support his, his, his work. But yes, the, uh, uh, unbeknownst to a lot of people, these, these folks were working on what essentially was a computer about a good hundred years before um, we got decent computers of this type actually running. Um, theirs was working with uh, basically steam um, or, or mechanical cranks as opposed to the electricity of a modern-day computer, but the principles behind it, its work, were the same. So what the graphic novel actually does is it's not entirely nonfiction. Uh, 
what it actually does is it's more of an alternate history. Uh, the very beginning of the novel goes through the history of Lobos and Babbage and uh, you know, talks about their lives, kind of does a biographical thing uh, about them, talks about what they were working on, kind of their contributions. Um, but then, you know, releases the sad truth that Lovelace dies young and Babbage never is able to get funding to complete his work. And so what it does then is it, is it uh, kind of says, well, what happens? It kind of does a what if. They do an um, a alternative history, so to speak. And it opens up with this kind of humorous little comic about some guy from the future saying, you know, he went back in time, discovered this, and decided to, uh, you know, help him out. Um, much to the chagrin of some time police that they throw in there, just 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 for narrative's sake. But then it opens up with um, with various stories of, of about Babbage and Loveless using the analytical engine they, that they create to essentially solve big problems. Um, and it throws in some other characters in there, like Queen Victoria is in it, the Duke of uh, the Duke of Wellington is a big character in it because he's he's sort of the uh, the person who has the most interest in what their work is, but it also introduces other historical figures and things like that, um, in kind of a very humorous way. The nice thing about the book, though, is that um, while the stories are fictional, um, the author uh, uh, Padua adds in a lot of the historical background to uh, of what they were doing. So every story has included with it tons of historical facts, letters, um, you know, tidbits of history, kind of explaining what the world of Victorian England was like at the time, and sort of why Loveless and Babbage would be using their computer to do these sorts of things that they were doing. Uh, so you get you get an entertaining story while at the same time learning a lot about these individuals and about the history of the time. Uh, things like, you know, how Karl Marx plays into it. Um, snippets from Queen Victoria's journal. Um, you know, uh, things like uh, uh, you get introduced to uh, Isambard Brunel, who was an engineer, and how the railway system was working in London. Um, things of that nature. Uh, you know, you get to meet uh, Marion Evans, who was an author, and um, kind of you know, plays into it, and but you get introduced to all these different historical characters and see how their work affects, or how their work would have been affected by the analytical engine. Um, in addition, they really does a great job of capturing the characters of Lovelace and Babbage. Um, you know, they make Babbage out to be a hopeful but grudgingly individual. Um, so he's 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 a very much the futurist that he was. Uh, but at the same time, again, difficult to work with and prone to just, you know, going off, not the deep end, but just being uh, angered over the slightest little thing. Um, and they make Loveless out to be the hard-smoking, hard-drinking, uh, you know, genius that she was. Um, Ada Loveless is probably one of the more interesting uh, historical figures um, out there, and one that I could probably do an entire podcast about later. Yeah, and perhaps we should later. Sure. Yes. <laughs> um, in fact, uh, if uh, I, I have a question I sometimes pose people when trying to break the ice, is if you could meet, have dinner with, or spend time with any historical figure, who would it be and why? I would definitely choose Ada Lovelace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she sounds, oh, from her biography, she sounds like she would have been a blast to hang out with. Yes. Maybe not the best person to be, you know, your close family member or friend, but mm-hmm. 
Well, friend, maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe your friend, yeah. But, but definitely was a, uh, a headache to her family. Although, you could also argue that she was just, again, a person who was way ahead of her time. I mean, mm-hmm. when, you figure, when you think about it, she was, you know, she's credited with writing the first computer program. Yeah. Um, so while the analytical engine was never never completed, um, Ada wrote a program for it that follows all the modern principles of programming. Um, it's, it's logic is sound. If you um, take this program and put it into a computer, it runs just fine. Um, now, obviously, you have to adapt it to modern computer languages and things like that. Um, but people have actually taken her the algorithms she wrote down, used them, and wrote a program with them that does exactly what she she claims they do. Okay. Um, the other thing about about Loveless um, and why it's it's appropriate to call her the first computer programmer is that she could see what the purpose of an analytical engine could be used for. That is. She thought you could do more with computers than just compute numbers. Babbage was, was making this thing up so he could, you know, he could compute numbers. Um, and in fact, the analytical engine was actually his second attempt at building a mechanical calculator. He actually wrote the, um, a, he actually made a what he called the difference machine um, earlier. And the uh, the difference machine, um, which he did actually did actually work was just a simple calculator. It could, it could do basic sums and, and, and things like that. It could add, subtract, multiply, and divide, essentially. Um, and the analytical engine was, was to do a lot more. Um, but uh, so he was more interested in just computing numbers and equations and things like that. Um, Loveless, she recognized right off the bat that this thing could, pro- that given enough time, given enough effort, given enough uh, know-how with these things, you could program them to do interesting things. Uh, for example, she could see, she foresaw the computers doing things like reproducing the symphonies um, note for note perfectly. She could see them being used to help our, um, uh, writers edit their works. Um, yeah, and these things are captured in the graphic novel. Um, these sorts of uh, thinking ahead um, things to use as that nature. So it is, it is definitely an enjoyable read. I won't go into any of the stories individually, um, but I will say if you like history, um, it, you would you would find this thing to be you would find this book to be fantastic. Again, it goes through you know it, it has fun stories that are fictional, but every everything in the story is backed up by actual historical facts. Cool. It's a fascinating book. Um, now, my book um, is a bit shorter and also um, entirely nonfiction. Um, and it is called Radioactive, A Tale of Love and Fallout by Lauren Redness. And, and the pair of scientists that this book focuses on is also a romantic pair, um, Pierre and Marie Curie. And to place us in time, we are talking the late 19th and early 20th century. So um, Marie and Pierre Curie probably don't need much of an introduction for most people. Um, they are, um, ma- but in case you don't know, their major accomplishments um, include the discovery of iridium and polonium, uh, the theory of radioactivity, basically um, all of modern science in radioactivity and um, the development of 
nuclear power and nuclear weapons and nuclear technology um, comes is, is descended from their work. Um, In fact, to this day, Mary Curie's lab is still very radioactive to the point where they don't really like people going in. Oh yes, they, they don't really like you. They don't. You can't touch her notebooks, um, and you really don't want to. Right. They're still setting off Geiger counters. They're still really, really dangerous um, because they did some dangerous stuff. Um, in fact, we have hanging in our living room. Uh, very interesting poster. Yep. Um, not by the artist who, who did this book, not by Lauren Redness, but by a different artist, Kate Beaton, um, who does the comic Park of Agrant, whom I referred to before and will again on this podcast. Um, and the poster is of Marie and Pierre Curie like holding test tubes while in an embrace and it says, is it love or toxic radiation? Maybe it's both, but who cares? <laughs> <laughs> and that really sums up their relationship. Um, they they were as much... I mean, their marriage was, was tied up in their work, and they really worked as one. And it, it, was, it was very much romance and radiation. It really was. And they did... It, Quite literally, they, they did experiments on themselves. They held things to their skin, and they were very happy and delighted when it burned them and re- made recordings and um, all kinds of things that you really shouldn't do. <laughs> so if you're, you're doing new experimental science, maybe don't hold it on your own skin. Um, but the book itself, Radioactive, A Tale of Love and Fallout, is... Um, as I said, completely non-fiction. So it's basically a history of the, the two of them, their relationship. It also goes a little bit beyond their lifetimes into um, one of their, their daughters and her husband, um, Irene and um, Frederick Joliot-Curie, um, who also won a Nobel Prize. So we have got one pair, one generation, um, Pierre and um, Marie, together, jointly won a Nobel Prize. Um, and Marie won one by herself. Later. And later, Marie, uh, after Pierre's death, Marie won a Nobel Prize by herself in chemistry. Um, and then after Marie died, her, son, her son-in-law and her daughter won a Nobel Prize for their work. Um, in discovery of um, artificial radiation. So Pierre and Marie were observing and understanding radiation that occurred naturally. And um, and Irene and Frederick were creating radioactive element, radioactive materials from materials that were not radioactive. So yes, uh, it follows that entire lifespan. And also um, the history, gives a little bit of science history um, that goes tangential and beyond uh, what's covered in the lifespans of those two generations. Um, because you hear from, uh, you, it, it tells about um, later developments um, of, the nu- of nuclear weapons uh, and even life-saving technologies like radiation therapy. 
So you get a little bit of general science history combined with a lot of biography and a lot of even first-person narrative. There's, there's a lot of excerpts of letters, of diaries, and even photographs and interviews done um, that were included in this book. Now, what's the art style like of radioactive? Because I, I, I've seen the book, obviously, so I know yeah, it's, it's very so different. It, yes, it's, um, we should definitely contrast the two. They're right. very different in art styles. So I, I will say this. Um, uh, the Thrilling Adventures of Lovis Babbage um, is very much a comic book. You open it up, it's got panels. Uh, it's like any sort of graphic novel um, you would you would pick up. Uh, it'd be like if you went out and picked up like a, a Batman comic or something like that. Um, the layout is you know is is similar um, to that, where you have you know panels with the action in the panels and, and writing and stuff like that. And then sometimes you'll have panels that that you know do a full page spread or things like that. Um, but in general, uh, it's very much a comic book. Uh, radioactive? Not so much. Um, radioactive, I, I would even hesitate to, to call it a graphic novel because the style is so different. Um, there's only if most of the, um, most of the work is done in cyanotype prints, which are, produce these really haunting images that, that seem to almost glow, um, in the words of the author, like like radium itself, um, which is why that style was chosen. And the images themselves, they're not they're not cartoon style. There's no panels. Um, they they have these elongated figures, um, very sparse drawings, things that seem stretched, mutated. Uh, which again, and I didn't like the style at first. But the more I read the book, the more it, it grew on me, and it, it started to, to feel like that that haunting um, tone was appropriate. And uh, in addition to to the the prints, there's also a number of photographs that are are in the book. So it's got. But by and large, you know, the colors, it's like one or two colors per page. There's not a lot of, there's a lot of, I would say, white space, but there's not really actually a lot of white on the page, but a lot of very one color, two color on the page. Um, and the, um, there's the, another reason I would hesitate to call it um, a graphic novel, you know, they might necessarily panels to have a graphic novel, but there's no, you know, speech doesn't really come out of mouths, except for in a few places, there's an image, or there's an image of a person, and then their words are close to them, arranged artistically, but again, not in a comic style. Right. Right. Um, another note about, not the art style, but the typography um, the, the whole book is printed in a type that the artist created herself. Um, the name escapes me, but it was named, it, it was created from, I think, newspapers or magazines at the time based off of that. And the name is of um, the same name, the same first name of a woman who held seances in those early um, 
20th century, late 19th century time period, seances attended by the curies. Fascinating. Yeah. So we're hearing it, it. It's like it's laid out as though we are hearing a medium channel them, which I thought was really an interesting way to develop your type. Um, well, yeah. thoughts? No, not really. Uh, speak a little bit more about um, levels of Babbage. Um, you know, again, it is very much like a comic book, but it is interspersed. You know between chapters and things like that with the with lots of historical evidence um, and uh, things of that nature. So you will see things like um, at the end of a chapter, you'll see a reprinting of a letter or you'll see images of, of uh, contemporary images of uh, newspapers and things like that. Um, so it's kind of all that's interspersed, excuse me, um, between the, the, the novel. Um, as for its general artistic style, um, steampunk comes to mind. Steampunk, excuse me, comes to mind. Um, and it sort of very much draws along that, that sort of uh, genre of, of art and literature and I'm not sure what else you would describe steampunk as movement, a, a cultural movement. Um, because again, you know, the whole idea behind it is very... It's very much. They're talking about a computer, but during Victorian times. Excellent. Both of these um, are really interesting and fascinating books um, to kind of wrap up the discussion. Do we want to do any kind of critical analysis? Um, what you thought was done well? What you thought was maybe uh, not the best part of the book? <laughs> <laughs> um... I will, I will, I will do a little critical analysis. What I think was done um, excellently well again with this book is is the fact that they're interspersing, um, uh, interspersing between um, uh, between chapters, the actual historical evidence, and every page has footnotes um, about um, essentially about what the um, uh, they're going over. Uh, the, the few things I would have done a little differently um, is uh, the the visual depiction they have of Ada throughout this book um, is is rather interesting because um, Ada herself, as you can see here, um, was a was was a very you know well to do. Victorian lady. Um, I will and, post a picture with her portrait. Right. Her, and her, her, uh, definitely dressed dressed and acted the part. Um, while the book kind of exasperates on her more, I should say, homely nature, but uh, seems to focus more on less, more on her sciencey side, I guess you will. So it kind of makes her look more like a stereotype, a stereotype of what you would think a a working scientist would look like when um, she certainly would not have appeared that way. Okay. Um, so to turn around and do a little bit of um, kind of good points, bad points on um, radioactive. Um, like I said, I the, the art style really grew on me, and I I liked having the narration interspersed with 
um, first-person material and also the more modern history. Um, I wasn't sure how to feel about the inclusion of photographs because I felt like I mean, the, the photographs themselves were, were and I, I wanted to like them. They were great photographs, but it seemed to break the style for me. That the style was, was one way, and then I got used to it, and I turned the page, and there's a photograph, which I wasn't expecting. And so it kind of threw me out of the, um, threw me out of the book a little bit. That if, you know, you have illustration, 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 and then suddenly a photograph. Um, it, it didn't feel cohesive. Hey, but still, um, our criticisms aside, both these were yeah. fantastically good no, uh, books. Yeah, and fantastically work, good graphic work works. In. And you know, in a way, we're, we're sort of nitpicking. When yeah, we're, to, we're, we're, we're totally searching for negative <laughs> points here. For, for, for negative things to, to come out of here. Um, and I, I, uh, I enjoyed um, the novel I read uh, yeah. very thoroughly. Alright, so again, um, we're talking Radioactive, A Tale of Love and Fallout by Lauren Redness. And, and The Thrilling Adventures of Loveless and Babbage, The Mostly True Story of the First Computer by Sidney Padua. And we will have pictures of these people, hopefully, you know, what we can find in public domain um, <laughs> on the website and the show notes. And so I guess that is really about all we can say without ruining the books for you. Yes. So, until next time. Uh, this is 100 Centuries, so you know. Bye-bye. <laughs>